I'm Hillary. I'm Emily. And, and we're, we're the, the sirens. sirens. Today we're going to be discussing Island in the Sun, which tells the interlocking stories of black and white Caribbean islanders affected by racism as they attempt to form and maintain relationships. The story begins amidst a political race for control of the island between Maxwell, white wealthy son of a prominent family, and total jerk, <laughs> and <Spoiler>. David, <laughs> a powerful black union leader. Maxwell plots to use rumors that he is part black to his advantage while David begins a love affair with a white woman. Meanwhile, governor's aide Dennis begins a relationship with David's ex-girlfriend Margot and Maxwell's younger sister, Jocelyn, becomes engaged to the governor's son. As if that isn't enough, Maxwell suspects his wife of an infidelity, and murder gets thrown into the mix. <laughs> Passion and heartbreak ensue. <laughs> I know, that, that's about as succinct as I could get with this, because this is like a, There's a, a large cast of characters. <laughs> There's a lot happening. Yes. <laughs> Do you want me to share some trivia from the film? Yeah, I'm curious to hear more. So this movie was made in 1957, and it was based on a popular and well-respected 1955 novel of the same name by Alec Wog. I don't know if I'm saying that right. <laughs> um, and the island Santa Marta, where it's set, is fictional, but the majority of the filming took place in Barbados and Granada. Mm. And the, I thought the filming was really beautiful. Yeah. Uh, watching this movie during a pandemic just made me want to go travel somewhere. To go to any island anywhere in the world. <laughs> I agree. And I'm not even like a tropical island person yeah, necessarily. Either. But it really made me want to go somewhere like that. To go to the beach. Yeah. Um, many modern sources purport that Island in the Sun contains the first interracial kiss on screen, but it does not. And actually, I had heard that as well, and I was waiting the whole movie for it to happen. <laughs> I know. And then I was confused if they were saying the first interracial kiss was between Jocelyn and the governor's son, but I was like, that yeah. seems like a cop-out, if that's yeah. what they're trying to say. Yeah. But... Anyway, the closest we get in the movie is Margot's dramatic shudder when Dennis hugs her. Mm-hmm. Um, which was a sexy scene, but it was mm-hmm. not a kiss. And yeah. reportedly, the producer, Zanuck, was nervous about censorship if they included the kiss and nixed it from the script. That's kind of lame. Yeah. Yeah, it was strange because this was a movie about interracial relationships. A lot of it was about that, and you don't see any physical intimacy. Uh-huh. In any of the interracial relationships. Yeah. Another sad and disturbing piece of trivia. After playing opposite Harry Belafonte as a romantic interest, Joan Fontaine received hate mail Mm. from across the country, purportedly an organized campaign by the KKK, and many of the letters contained small change and said that, quote, if you're so hard up that you have to work with an (gasps) N-word. Yeah. Like, here's a quarter? Yeah, so isn't that horrible? Yes. And so she Yes, the KKK is horrible. Yeah, I mean, hot take. (laughs) Heard it here first. She turned the letters over to the FBI. And it's interesting because I didn't find anything about people objecting to the other interracial couples. So I don't know if it was specifically because it was like Joan... This was the couple where it was a black man and a white woman. Yeah. And Joan Fontaine was considered this like... Movie star. Yeah. 
And last piece, Diana Winwood played James Mason's mother, Mm -hmm. even though she was only three years older than him. Yeah. In a theme that we see repeated in many movies. (laughs) It wasn't really her age that was the problem. It was Maxwell's, the guy playing Maxwell. He was supposed to be uh, Joan Collins's, like, older brother, and there was, like, a 30-year age difference between that the two actors. Yeah, she looked really young, and <laughs> it reminded me of when Steve McQueen was supposed to be a high school student yeah. in The Blob. Right. Really? Like, it was just so unbelievable. <laughs> so, that's all I have for trivia. Is there anything else that you came across, Hel? <laughs> No, not really. Um, who did you bio for this one? Um, I bio Dorothy Dandridge because I didn't really know very much about her. And to be honest, I am not going to talk about her personal life because it is devastating. So Dorothy Dandridge was born on November 9th, 1922 in Cleveland. Her mother was an aspiring entertainer and her father was a cabinet maker and a Baptist minister and her parents separated just before she was born. Her mother created a song and dance act for her two young daughters, Vivian and Dorothy, under the name The Wonder Children. And this act was managed for a long time by her lover, lover Geneva Williams. This Williams uh, was, he had a really bad temper and really cruelly disciplined the children, which is sad. The sisters toured uh, the southern part of the United States almost nonstop for five years, which meant the girls very rarely attended school. While they were traveling, their mother stayed in Cleveland to work and perform on her own. The Great Depression changed all of that. There was really no work available for any of them, and so they moved to Hollywood, where the Wonder Children were were renamed the Dandridge Sisters uh, in 1934, and they ended up getting a... <laughs> A third person to dance with them was not an actual Dandridge sister. Um, it was a schoolmate named Etta Jones. They were a really strong act for several years and appeared across the country in a lot of high-profile clubs like the Cotton Club and the Apollo Theater. And it was really you know, where she got her start as a professional performer. Um, her first on-screen appearance was a very small role in an R-Gang comedy short in 1935, and then... The Dandard sisters appeared in a number of minor roles in several movies that um, that meant that she got some recognition, and that helped get her, them more nightclub appearances. Her first credited role was in the movie Four Shall Die in 1940. She, as a rule, she rejected stereotypical black roles, but that meant that she had pretty limited options for film roles. She appeared in a number in the Chattanooga Choo Choo in the hit musical Sun Valley Serenade, and it was the first time that she performed with the Nicholas Brothers, who we saw previously. And Amazing. Yes, amazing. Not enough good words to say about their amazingness. She also appeared in a succession of a thing I'd never heard of before called Soundies, which were film clips that were displayed on jukeboxes. Oh. Yeah. And she uh, continued to appear in a number of um, films and on the stage throughout the 1940s and performed as a band stinger with um, Count Bassie and Louis Armstrong. The early part of the 1950s were really huge for her. She appeared, appeared in a number of films and had new heights of success performing on stage. 
And then someone recommended her to MGM production chief, which led to a number of film roles, most notably Carmen Jones, which is conceptually based on the opera Carmen, but it's updated to a World War II era African-American setting. It was just a game changer for her career. She, in November 1954, she became the first black woman featured on the cover of Life um, and just, you know, got all kinds of accolades. The movie became a worldwide success, became one of the the year's highest earning films. Uh, Dandridge was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Actress, becoming the very first African-American nominated for a leading role. In 1955, she signed a three-movie deal with 20th Century Fox, which was, you know, uh, another big deal. Her, a former director of hers and lover at the time named Otto Preminger suggested that she only accept leading roles. So she rejected some, some smaller roles that were eventually given to Rita Moreno. Um, Another favorite. Yes. (laughs) She ended up, because of that, like her principal, she um, actually didn't have a lot of success in in films for um, about three years. And then in 1957, she she came back to film acting and appeared in Island in the Sun. There were a number of uh, movies she appeared in in 1954 that were actually, you know, she was re- reluctant to appear in them because she was afraid that they were more stereo- stereotypical, although she a- appeared in the movie Tamango only after learning that it focused on a 19th century slave revolt on a cargo ship. In late 1958, she accepted the role of in Porgy and Bess that would become, you know, like another like sort of touchstone in her career. And the black community apparently was sort of divided over her role in that film because there was a lot of, there's a lot of negative stereotyping of um, black people in that. Yeah. That story. So. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Put it mildly. By the early 1960s, her popularity had dwindled and she was performing in night, nightclubs just to pay off debts from numerous lawsuits. She filed for bankruptcy and went into seclusion, and by 1965 she was ready to attempt to revive her acting career. But uh, on September 8th, 1965, she had an erratic telephone call with a friend, and then she was found several hours later in her apartment by her manager, totally unresponsive. Oh. Yeah. One pathologist determined that the cause of death was an accidental overdose of an antidepressant, and the coroner's office concluded that she died of a fat embolism. She was 43 years old. Wow. I didn't know that about her. I know. I was desperately hoping that she had lived a long life, and unfortunately, that is not the case. Jeez. Well... Yeah. It seemed like she, even though she didn't live that long, she had several comebacks. Yeah. different points in her career. Yeah, some really high highs. And I guess if you start as a child performer, and you, even if you only live into your 40s, that's a a pretty full performing career. Performing for 35 years. (laughs) Yes. I think, I I thought she was gorgeous in this film, and I read that, um, you know, she actually doesn't have a lot of lines in the film, but she still had third billing, which is pretty cool. Yeah. But I think she just looked amazing and her clothes were amazing. I felt like, all right, so I don't know if this is, let's do general <laughs> overviews and then 
You don't want to get too specific. I have some questions for you. Yes, specifically about her character. But yeah, what did you think of it overall? My overall take is that I think it was interesting to watch this movie in the period that we are living through now, you know, where the concept of white fragility is mainstream or to mainstream to the people who are paying attention to it. There's the movement for black lives, which I think resonates with some of what was happening on the island. And there are like definitely some like white women who are dealing with like what it means to be a white woman in a predominantly black island and the whole election thing happening. And Santa Marta, which like also felt very relevant. So it was. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know if I if I had watched this movie for the first time, like, even a year ago, if I would have felt about it the same in the same way. It felt very modern in a lot of ways. Yeah. Even the fact that the David character was an organizer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that, I was thinking like. Did people know what that meant in the... I guess they did in the 50s. Yeah. Do people know what that means now? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you know, you do. If you don't, you have no idea. Maxwell, you already kind of said it, totally a jerk. I cannot remember what other Joan Fontaine movies that I've seen, but to be perfectly honest, she came on screen and I was like, oh, this is the most beautiful person I have seen in a movie in a while. Yeah, she's... She was gorgeous. She, of the female characters, I kind of found her the most interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although I wish they had kind of revealed a little bit more about her. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if this is what you're like talking about, but I feel like I was one hour and 40 minutes into the movie when I finally realized that she and Maxwell's wife, whose name I'm forgetting right now, they are Sylvia. Sylvia. Sylvia is her sister. Yeah, I didn't get that until that point in the movie <laughs> yeah. either. I was like, oh, it should have known earlier that Mavis and Sylvia are sisters. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the drawbacks of having a plot like this where it's lots of interlocking smaller storylines is that you don't get as in-depth with any of them. So with a couple of them, I was kind of like, well... I don't really understand what this person is thinking or feeling right now or what this person's motivations are. Because, yeah. you know, we don't spend that much time with them. Yeah. Or like, and, and whoever that the Hillary Carson character is, all we know about him is that he is going to make a... Like, in the end, we, we find that he's going to make a big donation to the, the family foundation. And then he gets murdered because Maxwell thinks that he's cheating with his wife. Oh, yeah. We don't know anything story. else about him. I mean, really, we probably spend the most time with Maxwell, and he was the most repugnant character. I know. Like, please, spend time, more time with any other character. <laughs> <laughs> well, I agree with you, Hill, that it felt very relevant. It was interesting. Like, some of the dynamics weren't what I expected. Like, the fact that David was invited to the governor's party, and people mm-hmm. seemed... A lot of the powerful white leaders seem to respect him and not to, like, hate him or want to undermine him necessarily, which I was surprised by. Yeah, I mean, I sort of read that as, like, oh, he's the one acceptable black man. Like, he's Ugh. he's the good black man that, like, if someone is, like, <clears throat> like oh, you're a racist, you know, all of those white people are like, well, I cannot be a racist because David is my black friend. Ugh. I was surprised that they were like that, though, because if he did win the election and he really wanted rights for the people of the island, 
yeah. then that would actually affect all of the white people in power. Mm-hmm. So I was surprised that they were not more afraid of him winning. Although maybe they like couldn't imagine a reality where Maxwell Flurry didn't win. He's the son of a plantation owner. That's true. Well, certain people were telling him, why are you even running? Yeah. <laughs> the other thing I did... Uh, so can we go into each of the relationships? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about... Mavis and David. That's a dynamic. I feel like they, that this wouldn't necessarily happen in a contemporary movie because it's considered like a an annoying dynamic in real life where like some privileged white person comes in and is like, teach me about like what the world's like. I need <laughs> purpose. And then the black character just kind of like drops everything and is like, here, I'm going to bring you into this, you know, vulnerable population and just let you hang out and feel good about yourself. <laughs> that- Although he didn't like totally, like she puts the like the mask on, the black mask on and he like gets irritated with her and rips it away yeah i guess i didn't really feel an attract i didn't feel like he was attracted to her which Mm -hmm. is the only thing that would have (laughs) made sense to me as like why he was spending his time doing this he said it seemed to me that he said something about how they he hadn't seen her in a long time like since she was like 12 Mm-hmm. there's a 10-year age difference between the actors. So if she's 12, he's 2. So, like, I don't... <laughs> I need, like... I need a little more context to, like, help figure this out. But, like, so in some ways I read that as, like, oh, he was, like, having... This is, like, somebody he played with as a child that he, like, had sort of, like, an innocent memory of. Like, the door was already open, kind of, so he could he could say, like, you know, okay, if you're interested in this, like, I'm happy to use my role as an organizer to sort of, like, open your eyes to the world that you're not aware of. Yeah, and did, did you get the sense that she actually got it? I feel like she was, like, starting to get it. Like, starting to understand. In reality, I don't think it's the kind of thing that you just, like, get overnight. And so I feel like she was, like, on the path to, like, understanding what it's like to be... Understanding, like, the racial dynamics of the the island and what, like, the actual, like, lived implications of that were for mm-hmm. the not-rich-white plantation owners, but, like, I want, like, a, sequ- a sequel of, like, whether or not she, like, continued to, like, learn more when he was like, yeah, we can't be together because you're a white lady. Yeah, it that conversation at the end almost felt kind of abrupt because... And well, it was had, hard to tell if they were having a love affair. <laughs> exactly. Like, it almost seemed like, is this a relationship or is this... A friendship? A friendship, like a mentor-mentee kind of thing. And I had read that they instructed the actors to really, like, pull back on the sexual chemistry. But I think they might have done it too much because yeah. I was like, wait, what's going on? And all of a sudden at the end they were talking about marriage. And I was like, well, I've never seen you two touch. Yeah. So. And nobody's ever said anything. Yeah. I don't know if this is entirely true, but I what I remember is that like the the actors playing Mavis and Maxwell are, seem so much older than the the actors who are playing like you know, Jocelyn and like yeah. all the other characters. So it was 
in some ways that like distracted me from like it, like I couldn't like suspend my disbelief. I was like, okay, so there are these actors who are in this mm. movie playing these characters who are you know there's this dynamic. I couldn't like I it, it made it difficult to like sort of see beyond the fact that they were actors to like see them as like whatever their characters are supposed to do because I was like is she his former teacher or is <laughs> like what's happening yeah she did seem old the i mean the only other thing i could think of is that like she was older she was like a little bit more sophisticated and wise to the world and probably considered a spinster by the other people on the mm-hmm. island yeah and maybe was just like look this person actually has a purpose yeah and is a leader and i'm drawn to that and i want to learn more about that yeah. I think when they, like, reconnected, she said, like, I don't have a purpose in my life. My purpose is to, like, buy flowers, and I want to be more than that. Well, I mean, to to move to another couple, <laughs> Dennis yeah. and Margot, mm-hmm. I could not tell the whole time if Margot was actually into him or not. Well, yeah, and I couldn't tell if Dennis was, like, being disingenuous or if he, like, genuinely was, like, into her. Yeah, I think... I expected him to I be, like, uh, to end up being, like, uh, you know, just another, like, white man jerk who couldn't, like, follow through. Yeah, in the be- especially when they met at the party, I was like, oh, he's just hitting on you, and this isn't going to go anywhere good. But it actually turned out, I got the sense over time that he was more into her than she was into him. Mm-hmm. But then, in the end, they, you know, went off together, <laughs> left the country together, so I guess she did like him. I mean, I feel like you gotta like somebody a lot. Or your life on the island must be really terrible, like, untenable, if you're willing to, you know, fly to a totally different country. Yeah. I read that she was supposed to be, her character was supposed to be considered of mixed race Hmm. and I didn't know if like it almost felt like there was like a weird caste system like you know obviously Mm. colorism Mm. and stuff on the island but like for the people who were of mixed race and like who was white passing and who wasn't and Mm -hmm. maybe she was more acceptable to the white population because she was light-skinned and Mm -hmm. um, but not quite as acceptable as Maxwell who was only 16 was it 1 16th Oh, that whole thing. Early on in the movie, they were saying, I forget which character said it, it but it, it was a female character, and she they were all excited that the governor's son were coming, and they're like, a male who is young and white yeah. is a hot commodity around here, yeah. and they're just like open about it. Yeah. But it seemed really far-fetched to me. The way Jocelyn was acting about having a child with the governor's son. Yes. The child would be one thirty second black. I was just like, look, at the like nobody care. I mean, I know people care, but I really don't think that it's enough that you should like throw your life away. Yeah. Well, especially since well, I don't know. I was going to say especially since she like that's the first like indication that we have of her like ever even thinking about race, but I guess like that also is the privilege of her character being a like a rich white, you know, woman that she doesn't like it doesn't race doesn't affect the rest of her worldview until the moment when she suddenly is like, "Oh, one one of my grandparents was black." So, this is now like a big deal that I have to like change my life over. It was an interesting choice. I thought that they had her being willing to end the relationship to like quote unquote protect Ewan mm-hmm. instead of 
him wanting to end it because it would cause problems for his family, like political life or whatever. Yeah, yeah. it was her great grandparents, right? Yeah, great grandmother. It was her, her dad. Grandmother was a quarter. That's right. I mean, all of this stuff is nonsense. <laughs> I mean, we think it's nonsense, but it's the kind of math that like led to separate but equal in the yeah. US. And and that is similarly teeny tiny fractions, but Yeah, a single drop of blood and Yeah. Harry pointed out that someone came to the island and did two hundred classifications of mixed race as as well. I mean David. I keep calling him Harry because he's Harry Belafonte. <laughs> Um, I kind of love that the resolution to the whole Jocelyn story wasn't like, oh, we're gonna just deal with your heritage. It was like, oh, it, no, it's okay, because your mom had an affair with someone else, so you're not actually yeah of mixed race. Just don't tell anyone. Yeah. Yeah, and it was at that point where she, like, her, the mother, like, very blatantly stopped calling her father, her, Jocelyn's father, her father, and kept referring to her, him as my husband. It's all about the blood, I guess. I mean, I also think that there's, there weren't there other people mentioning in the movie that there's, like, so few families on this island who are sort of the yeah landed white families that they've all intermarried a ton, and I thought it was going to end up being revealed that, like, you know, people were related and yeah, <laughs> were like, dating. Yeah, like, the governor was her father, and it was, yeah. just, it was actually... <laughs> There's going to be some incest happening. Which could be true, because the mother was like, I'd rather not say who it is. So we talked about the three couples that were not abusive. Let's talk about Maxwell and Sylvia. (sighs) All I kept thinking was, Maxwell needs so much therapy. And, like, he had that whole complex about his older brother who died. Yeah. And from finding one cigarette in his house... That he didn't know whose it was. He went to murdering someone. Yeah. Had Sylvia previously cheated? And so he thought that that was the the deal? Had Did he not ever, like... Was there nobody else on the island who smoked Egyptian cigarettes? Ever? Was there... Could he not think of any other explanation? And if not, like, why not? Like, why would he think that Sylvia is cheating on him? Just based on, on a cigarette. Yeah, it made no sense. I mean, it, I guess it just showed that he was incredibly insecure. Yeah. Mediocre white man. Yeah. Asked to step into a power position. Ugh. Yeah. And... Did you like how the movie sort of turned into, like, a murder caper, like, halfway through? Yes. And the policeman is like, if the murderer were to come with, come to me, this is what I would tell him. <laughs> that policeman was awesome. <laughs> no, I felt like I was watching a Sherlock Holmes fanfic or something. Yeah. Or Poirot or something. <laughs> I know. Well, that part, that also made me mad, though, because he did just, like flat out murder this guy over yeah suspicions he just had in his head and the policeman was like clearly it wasn't premeditated i would get him off for manslaughter and probably he'd only do three years and i was like what i mean this is still kind of the universe we live in where yeah the time doesn't match the crime and depending on who your class and your race yeah it it's all over the place but i was like no this was a this was a real murder he should be doing real time (laughs) he killed this man who's never coming back and he did it out of jealousy yeah and rage he needs to (laughs) rot in jail yes that's kind of uh, that's how i felt about it they were like nope three years we're good because i know you (laughs) 
White privilege. <laughs> Do you want to talk about Maxwell running for office against David? Sure. My favorite part of the whole thing was when Maxwell tried to speak <laughs> and then the crowd drowned him out with Calypso music. Yes. And then David was like, no, let him speak. And then, you know, like, he has a right to, you have a right to vote. He has a right to speak. He spoke. And then David was like, you're wrong about all of that. <laughs> it's like, that's yeah, classic. <laughs> David totally kicked butt. Yeah. It's like, okay. He was awesome. I found him very appealing in this room. <laughs> yeah. Um, I found myself thinking a lot of Barack Obama. I did, too. I mean, he was an organizer as well. Yeah. So, it was, I thought that was just so dirty how Maxwell was like, well, I found out that I am of mixed race, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try to, like, tell the black community that I'm one of them now. Just because, like, having done nothing, textbook, uh, white fragility. Yeah. Are we to understand that he, like, he gets arrested for the murder, or he turns himself in for the murder, and then David is running unopposed and wins? Is that... Is that what happens in the, like, sequel to this movie? I mean, that's what I assume. And then he ousts all of the white government, takes over, gets rights for everyone. And marries Mavis. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) And and everyone makes a living wage and has health (laughs) care. No, that's a bridge too far, Emily. (laughs) We could could dream it, we could do it. I mean, that's what I like to think. It was funny how people kept saying he was so dangerous, because I was like... I mean, there was definitely some of that, like, white, oh, like, a powerful black man, I'm afraid of him. But, like, he... If they were talking at all about, like, physical danger, it didn't seem like there was any... Like, he didn't seem interested in violence or... Yeah. Like, as a means to an end or anything like that. Yeah. So, it was basically just like, oh, I care about these people because these are my people. And yeah. everyone's like, danger zone. <laughs> oh, the the other, my other favorite scene in the movie was when they went down to the docks and sang the work chant. I thought that was so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. And we also got to hear Harry Belafonte sing, which is always a plus. And he sang the, the Island in the Sun song, oh, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. What did you think about the carnival bits of it that kind of it's this is something that's similar to um gilda that there's this like yeah moment where you know that there's everybody is sort of letting down their guard i liked it um i wish they had explored more that like there was a scene where the dorothy dandridge character was like doing the limbo oh yeah and you know in this and i think that it's supposed to be her on the movie poster, right? Or is that just supposed to be someone random? I think it's supposed to be her on the movie poster. Yeah, so it's, like, in all the rest of the scenes, she's in, like, you know, very beautiful and sort of, like, you know, upright, like, classy-looking dresses. And then in that, she's, like, in a bikini and a little sarong, and she's dancing to the music, and she's limboing. And you see her boyfriend looking down on her from the balcony and he looks disapproving. Mm-hmm. And I thought there was going to be some sort of like breakup or something resulting from that where she would be like, hey, this is part of who I am and you need to deal with that if you want to be with me and also like it. Yeah. 
And then there was nothing. Then there was nothing. And I was like, well, and then they're just together. I mean, that's, that's another example of something I wished had been developed in the movie. Because he didn't seem to really, like, engage with her blackness at all. Which I think if you're going to be in an interracial relationship, just, like, pretending that... The other person is... is <laughs> yeah, he basically just seemed to pretend like she wasn't black. Yeah, so in the sequel, they're in England and they're having problems, probably. Yeah. Uh, did you also think it was really dumb that they thought they would do better in England? <laughs> yeah, I was like, he can break like, it to you. Think, yeah, the, I don't think England would have been a very, like, friendly... <laughs> um, I, yeah, I found myself actually thinking a lot about the book uh, Wide Sargasso Sea, which is uh, a book that was written from the perspective of Bertha Mason, who's the first wife of Mr. Rochester oh. in Jane Eyre. And it's when they're on the, in the islands and, like, it's her home. She's, like, totally, if I remember correctly, in the in this book, she is, it is understood that she is mixed race. And, um, you know, this is where her family has been for, for generations. And then, you know, he's, Rochester is like, we're going to England because she's had, you know, so many, she's had been having breakdowns. And, um, I just couldn't stop thinking about that book and that, like, the juxtaposition between, like, white culture and island culture and how it was just really, like, difficult for those things to, like, live together. And then we take them to England, and it's just not going to be any better. Yeah. Can you imagine having lived your whole life on that island and then Many. going to England? Yeah. And even just the climate difference, I think, would be enough <laughs> yeah. to make you depressed. Yeah. Would be a shock. I mean, I think Jocelyn and Ewan probably were going to be fine. Right. Well, and yeah, because they had every privilege in the world, and... They were going to be among the fancy white people at Oxford, so. Yeah, because they were just fancy people with not having to deal with world problems. Right. So they were going to be fine. I didn't think the same for Margot and Dennis. So, like, of, of the couples, can we also, like, can we go <laughs> back to Maxwell? And no. <laughs> no, okay, but was, it, was there an implied rape in the earlier scene between him and his wife where yes I definitely like understood that like I mean it's definitely something that like I think modern audiences now would understand like you know they have they go to this party they leave the party he's mad they're in like the dark in the garden or whatever and she specifically says don't rip my dress leave me alone and he rips her dress and forces a kiss on her or whatever and yeah he even says Wives get bored making love in the same place. Let's try a different location. And then they, like, cut away, so... Right. Better off with her husband in jail. Yeah, I wanted to be like, Sylvia, you need to get a divorce. You and Mavis can just live together and, like, change change some of your perspectives, <laughs> understand yeah. the world better, and maybe start, like, doing some real work in the world. Yeah. Definitely Ewan and Jocelyn, you know, fine. But then I also thought that, like, Margot and Dennis would have broken up. So basically, the only couple that ended up being okay would have been... <laughs> would have been the, the two rich white people who, who left and went to England, who were titled. Right. Which always helps. Now that we've talked about it, I want to believe that um, Dennis and Margot work out because 
he like let her read his novel and you know he got her a job in the or no she got herself sorry i take that back she got herself yeah. a job in the in the like as a stenographer so like i feel like she can hold her own in a uh, relationship and he like respects her opinion enough to like show her you know, this novel that now he wants to work on all the time. Yeah, although I was thinking, I hope that novel's good because how many times have you dated someone who's like, read my novel, and then it's... It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, and then they, that's, it's very awkward. We all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. Are you ready to talk about social justice? Do you, how do you feel that social justice was reflected in this movie? Well, I mean, I kind of wish that in, they would have gotten more into the true circumstances of people living on the island. Mm -hmm. Like, they did have a lot of sort of in-between shots of, like, people harvesting cane and stuff like that. But they didn't converse about, like, the real issues that people were facing a lot. Mm -hmm. It was just sort of implied. So I should just say, yes, there are definitely social justice themes to this movie. <laughs> a lot of it was about interracial relationships. Um, what does it mean to be of mixed race? Um, what are the lasting effects of slavery on a society? Mm -hmm. What does it look like when there's an elite ruling class of one race over a, an impoverished population of another race? Colonialism, like they explored all of that in some way. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say that, yes, it did. And, and in a more explicit way than a lot of the other movies we watch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I and mean, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with that. And because it was kind of a like sweeping film that had these interlocking stories where we didn't get to know like any set of characters too well, that also meant that we couldn't explore any certain social dynamics either. We just got like glimpses of things here and there. And, you know, David sort of articulated some of the issues that were happening on the island, but there wasn't much opportunity to really get into it. Yeah. I mean, I kind of wish that they had like expanded the scenes between him and Mavis and he, that he had talked a lot more about Mm -hmm. I mean, he did talk about, like, going to the schoolhouse and how inadequate that was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. There, I just, basically, I just wanted more. And, and more of that, less of Maxwell. Mm -hmm. I think the movie would have been much better. If it had been, if those two roles, the like, the time spent on those two roles, Maxwell and David, were swapped, I would have been happier, I think. Yeah, me too. And I think really David, like when I read about this movie a little bit ahead of time, they made it seem like David was the main character. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the actual filming made it seem like Maxwell was the main character. Yeah. I've been living my own life, making my own decisions for a long while now. It's impossible to go back to being treated like a child again. Well, what about Bechtel then? Do you think it passes? I was trying to think if they ever, if, like, women characters ever talk to each other about something other than men, and I think probably not. Yeah, I'm thinking there's a number of female characters who are, like, somewhat developed in the movie, but even when they're talking about something else, they're talking about it in relation to a man or a relationship. Like, when Jocelyn and her mother are talking about yeah. her parentage, it's not just because it's because they're talking about whether or not she can mm -hmm. marry you in and have this baby. Mm -hmm. That's exactly the like 
the example that I was thinking of. Like, they're essentially talking about, you know, the effect of men on their lives. So, so yeah. And the women aren't really given an opportunity to do that much, except, mm-hmm. like, Mavis maybe a little bit more, but even she doesn't really do that much. Yeah. And she doesn't interact really with other women. No. So I guess I would say no, it doesn't pass. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, it seems like we very, very rarely get a movie that passes both. Yeah. Test. I think that's because there aren't a ton of movies out there that <laughs> both. Yeah. And it's kind of like, oh, this was a great social justice movie, but there's only one female character. <laughs> like His Girl Friday. Yeah, exactly. Or um, to be or not to be. Yeah, or to be or not to be. <laughs> or Casablanca. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, so what rating would you give it? You know, I would watch this movie again. Me too. I think that's a good sign, and so I think I'm probably going to give it a 3.75. Whoa, cool. Just because that Maxwell character, man. Yeah, yeah. I think, I agree, I'm going to give it a 3.5. I enjoyed it overall, and it had a really strong cast, which I appreciated, and I thought the... The way it was filmed was really beautiful. The setting was beautiful. And it it seemed... Like, apparently there would be fad times where they would make a couple movies mm-hmm. in, like, a short number of years that were, like, focusing more on race relations. Mm-hmm. And then it would go out of style. Because, like, this was much more... For 1957, I was like, this is, like, pretty explicit and engages with this more than later movies did. Yeah, yeah. So I felt like there would be a lot to unpack from rewatching. Yeah. Also, the costumes were really fabulous, so I would rewatch for that Mm -hmm. as well. Yes. Oh, yes. I think I made a note that I would would wear anything that Mavis is wearing. Oh, yeah. When she wore that striped skirt, Mm -hmm. I was all about that Margot and all of her bright reds and oranges. Mm Mm-hmm. Dorothy Dandridge looked great in her sarong dancing. Yes. <laughs> Dorothy Dandridge forever. Yes. Oh, and Jocelyn had a great plaid circle skirt in the end, too. So it oh, kind yeah. of, this all, like, inspired me. <laughs> it's a good fashion movie. Yes. Um, so, Hill, what are we watching next? So we are watching Gaslight. I'm excited for that. And I think we both have history with this one. Yes. May it please the court, I submit that my entire line of defense is based on the proposition that persons of the female sex should be dealt with before the law as the equals of persons of the male sex. Follow The Screen Sirens on Twitter, at The Screen Sirens. And leave us a review on iTunes or SoundCloud to help other people find us. Thanks for listening. After all, tomorrow is another day.